Hello and welcome to the second ever Mum Talk podcast. I am so grateful that you have tuned back in again. I really truly am and I want to say firstly before I say anything else on this podcast thank you. A huge thank you for all of your support, your social media messages, your emails, your ratings, your reviews. Thank you. It is amazing to know that I am not the only person that wants something like this out there, that there are lots of mums and mums-to-be, and I know that there have been quite a lot of dads listening, and I know there are a lot of people who don't have kids um, uh, who are listening in, because maybe kids are on the cards at some point, um, and I know I have a lot of very supportive friends out there who are listening in, so Thank you so very much for all of your support. I really, really appreciate you all. So this week um, is a little bit different to what I said it was going to be. If you noticed on my social media, you will have noticed that I'd popped a little post on my Instagram stories about filming a beautiful podcast with my very dear friend who was also in her early stages of pregnancy Now that isn't what you have today. Um, She received some devastating news. That's all I'm going to say on the podcast. It's not my place to say anything else. Um, But as a result, the podcast that we recorded, it's just not right for that to go live at this point. It may be that we take it and we put it live for you all um, at some point in the future. And I'm very, very hopeful that... Uh, My friend will join us again on the podcast and uh, talk to us on here and share with you um, what's going on for her at the moment. But that is going to be a long time in the future. So this week, you have me and it didn't feel right at all to replace her with interviewing another one of my friends or interviewing a specialist. I was actually meant to meet with a amazing breastfeeding specialist today who um, was also going to record a podcast for you guys for, um, she's also a mum, so she was going to record a podcast for kind of later on, but it just didn't feel right, so I didn't actually meet with her, and you have me, you have me, so it is Tuesday, the podcast goes live tomorrow, so I have to say, I did have to pull myself off the couch this afternoon to come and record this, but now I am underway. This is the third time (laughs) that I have turned on the mic to record this. It's not been as successful as the first time was where you literally got my first recording, but this is the third time I've turned it on, so I'm just going to hope that I don't waffle on too much um, and... I can actually fill you in on some bits in this podcast. So mainly in today's podcast, I want to talk to you about my first trimester. I am now in my second trimester. I'm week 14 in two days. So it's very exciting. Lots of things are happening, um, but it has been an eventful first trimester. Um, So I'd like to tell you a little bit about that in this podcast, and I'm also going to touch on the fact that it's Mother's Day this weekend, so a little bit of a tip if you haven't got something for your mum or sent a card or some flowers or you know how to spoil her, then maybe press pause right now and just get that done. Um, And I also want to touch on things about, um, obviously things that happened in my first trimester like nausea. Um, anxiousness, 
all that kind of stuff, but also about diet and how my diet's changed, when to tell my friends, um, what I felt about just before my scan, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm going to share it all with you now. I have received a bunch load of questions asking about my first trimester, so I thought it would be easier if I just covered it all off for you in a podcast. And also it flows quite naturally um, to have the second podcast being all about my first trimester. So let's get into it. So my first trimester... It obviously starts when you find out that you're pregnant. Now, when you find out you're pregnant, and I always found this really funny, but you're actually two weeks pregnant. I think I'm getting this right. But you're actually two weeks pregnant before you've even conceived, which I just find insane. Like you're two weeks pregnant before you even have sex. It's crazy. Um, So when you find out you're pregnant... You're like, oh, oh my God, I'm four weeks already or I'm five weeks already. I found out when I was about four and a half coming into five weeks. Um, And especially because if you listened last week, you will know that we took like four tests um, over the space of four days. So it was more towards the five week bit um, as we ended the end of those tests that we kept taking. Um, So... We found out when I was about five weeks and then around the six week mark, I started to feel nauseous. Oh, the nausea. So I was prepared for this because my friend, um, she's now got two beautiful children, but she had horrific nausea, absolutely horrific. She was throwing up left, right and centre and lost a lot of weight in her first trimester. So I was kind of expecting to be like that. However, I had spoken to my mum and my mum had said that she hadn't really experienced anything. She had nausea, but she was never sick. And I do know that they tend to say you follow your mum in this in this kind of thing. So I was expecting to throw up. Anyway, nausea all day, every day, 24-7, unless I was eating actually physically eating. So the minute I'd put something in my mouth, I would stop feeling nauseous. But the minute I stopped eating, I would feel nauseous again. So there is that danger of thinking, oh my God, I'm literally eating 24-7. And the the only way I can describe my nausea is like being on a boat. Or if you get car sick, you'll know what I'm talking about. Just that feeling of real unease, like you could be sick at any moment. And that was really hard to deal with because it's exhausting. Not only have you got the exhaustion of your body trying to create a little human, but you've also got the exhaustion of feeling sick all the time. And you know that your body needs nutrients and you need to eat, but it's the last thing you want to do. The last thing I wanted to do was open the fridge. And actually, it still is a little bit about that now, um, but a little bit like that. But we went to France quite soon after um, I found out I was pregnant. And as if you know me, you know probably that I love cooking. And if you follow my blog, there's like a couple of little recipes on there, which I really enjoy experimenting in the kitchen. So it was really challenging for me to actually not 
want to cook because I really didn't and I couldn't come up with anything I'm normally really creative in with my food and when I open the fridge but I couldn't come up with anything to cook and actually when I was quite early on in my pregnancy um my friend Lucy came over and we were she like I reckon she comes to me <laughs> Lucy you'll have to correct me when you come on the podcast um if you're listening to this you're like no this isn't right but I think she comes to me Lucy's been on a few yoga retreats with me and she knows if she comes to Emma's house she's gonna get healthy food <laughs> but this was oh my god not the case like after yoga we went to Tesco's we bought like tortilla wraps and peppers and Actually, this probably doesn't sound that unhealthy, but this isn't really what I normally eat. And hummus, and we made, like, um, tortilla wraps, burrito-type things. And then we also had some crisps, and we bought chocolate, and we bought, like, I think a fizzy drink of some kind or something like that, and some Easter eggs, and some ice cream. Yeah, we bought ice cream, too. Oh, my God. Um... I think it was actually Ben and Jerry's dairy free, but yeah, we did buy ice cream and it was like, I just had a complete meltdown. (laughs) I think Lucy was like, Oh my God, Emma really is normal. She buys shit food. So that was quite funny. Um, but when we were in France, just the normal things that I would love, I could not even, Oh, I couldn't even be in the kitchen when Hendrik's mum was cooking them. Hendrik's mum and I have a deal. She'll do lunch. I do dinners. Um, but again, I found that really difficult because I just had no idea what to cook. I just, I was not in the right place to be cooking people dinner. Um, but things like cumin, I used to love cumin on everything, absolutely everything. And I, Hendrik's mum put cumin on the carrots and I could barely stay in the kitchen. It was horrific, but I was never sick. I was never actually sick. Anyway, this lasted quite strongly until maybe week 11, And then week 11, I really started to notice a difference. I got a bunch more energy. It was actually when I was really starting to plan these podcasts and get a few more retreats. So I don't know if I was just distracted, but I felt like the nausea was starting to ease. Week 12, again, I felt so much better. A little bit of nausea when I first woke up in the morning. And that's what I tended to find. And I've actually just given this advice to um, one of my yoga students Nausea is so much worse, I found, when you wake up in the morning, your tummy's empty, or if you let yourself get hungry. So if you're listening to this and you're experiencing horrific nausea, try and see if it works for you to just don't let yourself get hungry. I live off corn crackers, um, and I just eat them whenever I feel like I'm getting a bit hungry because I'll start to feel a little bit nauseous. Um, But it can completely put you off your food. Like, actually, last night... Because at week 13, this last week, ever since the weekend, it completely took it out of me. I was basically on the sofa all weekend. It was really bad. I felt really nauseous. Um, And actually, I was sick for the very first time um, in my pregnancy. Now, I've got through my whole pregnancy without being sick up until now. And I thought I was incredibly lucky. But actually, being sick then reset me. And I didn't feel nauseous until the evening again. So it was almost like nauseous, sick, done, amazing, great, move on. Um, So I don't know whether I'm unlucky feeling nauseous and not throwing up. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. If you are listening to this and you were throwing up all the way through your pregnancy, you probably still think I am really, really, really lucky for not having to 
be sick and also the logistics about being sick and I was listening to another mother's story the other day and she was telling me um, about how she she's already also got another young child and she would have to stop the car on the way to nursery to be sick and then have a breath mint to get back in the car and then drive her child to nursery and it was like nothing had happened I mean I can't even I mean she's a legend for doing that absolutely incredible but I'm sure a lot of people are like that but this last week has been horrific and last night I actually uh, went to bed without eating, which was not a sensible thing to do, but there was nothing I fancied. I, I mean, I couldn't even think about having a piece of toast. I just did not want any food. It just, yeah, completely. I had a big lunch, so it was fine. I didn't feel like I was, I was doing anything dangerous at all, otherwise I would have eaten. And I had a rice cracker, a corn cracker, to take my prenatal vitamins, which I tend to take in the evening. Um... So it was fine, but yeah, it was interesting throwing up for the first time kind of so late on because I really thought that my nausea and exhaustion was going, but again, having to pull myself off the sofa to come and record this podcast, which I feel totally fine now, but I am clearly quite tired. So I think baby's having a, you know, building session in there. (laughs) Um, I actually also went and had a... um, another scan yesterday which was really really nice Uh, we actually went for this one privately it there may be some of you who aren't doing anything privately and some of you who are um we all have our reasons for doing everything so I've probably just opened myself up to a whole world of judgment around going privately for an extra scan but um it's what we did and we all make these decisions don't we so please don't judge me um so I went for another scan and it was actually amazing. Um, baby was completely different to how he was in the first scan. So in my first scan at 12 weeks, baby would not stop moving. He would not lie still. I'm, I keep calling it a he as well. You can probably notice this, which is awful. I'm just, I'm going to say baby or try and call it he and she equally. Um, or it, but just it just doesn't sound right. We actually, Hendrik and I actually call it bean. So maybe I'll just call it bean. Yeah, let's call it Bean. So Bean um, would not stop flinging its arms, legs around um, in my tummy when I had my first scan at 12 weeks. And I think the sonographer was actually getting quite annoyed because (laughs) baby would not stay still. Um, And it was enjoying all the freedom of all the fluid in my belly and loving it. Anyway, this time, went to have my scan and baby was tucked up in one little corner of my uterus, really, really tucked up in one side, right underneath the placenta, not moving at all, maybe just rocking a little bit side to side, but no leg flinging, no hand flinging, so completely different. And I know they go through stages in the day of resting and then super active, not so active, but you know, he was really sleeping. So she told me to have a little jump around, see if we can get baby to move so she can just take a few more measurements and things. But no, 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 Bean was just there staying still. Apparently they like it tucked up underneath the placenta because it sends, my placenta sends off some kind of 
vibration or they can feel the pulse or the beating of everything that's going through it. I don't really know too much about it. If you're a midwife and you're listening to this and you think I'm talking rubbish, then please tell me why <laughs> um, and why baby is doing what it's doing. But this is what the sonographer said to me yesterday. So um, yeah, it was actually really interesting to see completely different ends of the spectrum of being because yeah it was going crazy in one and then super chilled and just like zoned out um on yesterday's but it was really exciting to have another scan and I actually am a bit you know it seems like a really long time to wait for my next one my next one is 20 weeks um which is an NHS one again so um 20 weeks which seems like a long time away that's what six weeks away on Thursday yeah it's a long time but actually it's really nice it is the Friday before I head off on my Portugal retreat with Annie my friend Annie and it's a fully booked retreat we've got like 18 guests so it'll be really reassuring to know that fingers crossed everything is how it should be before I go away to teach and I'm not away teaching worrying about um baby so that is my next scan that's in 20 weeks so yeah I'll be well into my second trimester by then and then I think I think I mean I know nothing but I think that's then the only I think that's the last scan you get for a really long time until you're like almost giving birth unless you want to go privately obviously um well there's tons of options to do that but you know it's expensive um so that was a little bit about my scan but before my 12-week scan, oh my goodness, I was so nervous. I was so, so nervous, and I know that I have a ton of my friends listening to this, so if I called you, you'll know just how nervous I was. Um, but everything goes through your mind at your 12-week scan, everything. I mean, especially because at 11 weeks, my nausea had started to ease, my exhaustion, I thought, had started to ease. I started to question whether there was actually anything in there and what was going on and you know so when we went in and had our hospital appointment and saw the sonographer and there was actually a baby in there I was a little bit taken aback because I'd prepared myself for the worst I think I'm quite matter of fact about this type of thing so I was kind of leading myself up for it to for there to be nothing there um which obviously would be absolutely hideous and devastating, but I wanted to be prepared for that. So seeing a beautiful little baby in there was amazing. Anyway, I did feel like I was starting to tear up when we did see that, but when I did start to cry, <laughs> I couldn't control my stomach. <laughs> and if you're pregnant, you'll know this, but if like it, it almost feels like fat when you're at 12 weeks and it is your body's holding on to a lot more fat but when I was kind of starting to cry I started to jiggle a little bit <laughs> and um the sonographer kind of looked at me and was like could you please stay still uh, so I had to pull myself together and not cry but I I do think I had a little glance across at Hendrick and I do think that thing back then when I showed him my test and bought those little trainers those vans I think that thing worked its way back into his eye um and he may have may have shed a tear maybe not um but what was really funny was when she said now I'm just going to check there aren't two in there 
And Hendrik goes, oh my god. And she did. And he goes, oh, thank goodness for that. Yeah, that was quite funny. Um, and yeah, it was an amazing experience. It was lovely. Um, and yeah, I'm very excited. We didn't really talk about anything about birthing plans, but I have a pretty good idea of what I would like. Um, but we can save that for another podcast. Um, and yeah, I'd love to get a midwife on to chat about that with to kind of go through all the pros and cons of um, birthing and options. So before the scan, I was super anxious um, and nervous, but just knowing, and we, we left the scan with a couple of pictures, which were amazing, and I've taken one of those pictures on my phone, and I often find myself just staring at our little thing. Um, it was six centimetres in length last week on Monday, and then this week on Monday, so yesterday, um, it had grown like a centimetre and a half, which is crazy. I mean, I know that only averages because they take like three or four measurements at a time, but yeah, it's doing some serious growing in there, which is amazing. I saw one of my really, really good friends yesterday and she said, on the app, what fruit are you? Because on these baby apps, it asks you, it it tells you what fruit your baby is the size of approximately. Anyway, I forgot to tell her, but um, Grace, I am a... My my baby is the length of a pea pod, apparently. And then in two days, so when I'm hit 14 weeks, baby is the size of a lemon. <laughs> a big lemon. So, yeah. That's crazy. Crazy to think about that. But, I mean, and it's also crazy to see how much you're growing and then to think that your baby is actually only the length of a pea pod or the size of a lemon. And then I'm the size that I am. <laughs> And I'm already showing and I think, oh, geez, that's tiny. I hope this all isn't fat. (laughs) But my body is storing a lot more fat. It's meant to do that. So you just have to let go of that fact. Um, And I have have struggled a little bit in the past um, with that kind of stuff. So I have had to make the real conscious effort, um, which is really where diet comes into it, really. But I've had to make a real conscious effort to... Um, just let go of body image and it is you know not at all who I am on the inside and it's not who I am on the outside so um but yeah I don't really go into all of that um this time around but my diet has definitely changed so before I uh, got pregnant I was pretty much following a vegan diet mainly by accident actually um, I'd stopped eating dairy because my skin was getting a lot worse um, it's never been good actually since I came off the pill quite a long time ago um, it's it's never been good so uh, I stopped taking I stopped uh, eating any dairy and that helped a lot with my skin and I wasn't really eating much gluten and bread and that kind of stuff, starchy carbohydrates. And I wasn't eating any meat and I wasn't really eating any fish. I would occasionally have smoked salmon because I just adore it. Um, although not right now, but I used to. Um, but as far as kind of red meat, chicken, um, I wouldn't touch them, touch them, and I haven't touched them for quite some time until now. So, when I first found out I was pregnant and I went to France, I could see myself going into a bit of an unhealthy spiral. And I'm happy to talk about this because um, I think it's really important. 
well, it is really important because you're you're nourishing and you have something, you're creating something bigger than you are at the moment. You're creating new life. So before my wedding and before my honeymoon, I lost an awful lot of weight. Um, you may have noticed I mentioned it in my last podcast, um, which was around kind of issues we had before we started to try and get pregnant, which I will come back to um, in another podcast. But it had to do with diet and it had to do with me losing all the weight before my wedding and losing even more weight before my honeymoon. And it was completely self-inflicted and not cool, basically. Not cool at all. So I have had to be quite careful to not get into that headspace again. And I could see myself going down that line when I was in France, just after finding out I was pregnant. I would go for a walk for kind of one and a half, two hours minimum every day in France. I love to walk, so it's not a a chore for me. And especially in France, by the sea, I could just walk along the coastline forever and it's flat and it's lovely and listen to podcasts and all sorts and just breathe in the fresh air. It's a bit like my meditation, really. And then, because I was feeling so nauseous, my yoga practice. Um, So... It wasn't a chore to do that kind of stuff. But then when I'd get home or get get back to Hendrik's parents' house, everything I ate had to have nutritional value for the baby. So I wasn't eating any chocolate. I wasn't eating any starchy carbs. Um, Hendrik's brother actually cooked some pasta. (laughs) And I was like, well, I can't eat pasta. What nutritional value has pasta got for a growing baby? None. Like, I can't eat pasta. Anyway, the way I kind of got around that was to have pasta, but then to make an avocado sauce and add in some, like, nutritional yeast and all that kind of stuff. So that's how I got around it. But then when I got home, I had a little bit of a talk with myself and just thought, no, you can't do this. This is silly you need to start kind of looking at your diet. And then after we got back from France, I had my booking uh, session with the midwife to fill in all the paperwork and stuff. And we also had a little chat and it was then kind of, I realized, you know, it is so important for baby to get enough protein, enough nutrients, vitamins and minerals. And although I eat a healthy diet, it's most definitely not a varied diet um, with the good and the bad, if you know what I mean. Um, and I, I, when I went away um, to St. Lucia with my friend Annie a couple of months ago now, actually a long time ago now, it was in October last year, but we were chatting about the fact that I was definitely not getting enough protein because I hate tofu. I wasn't eating fish at the time. I wasn't eating red meat or white meat at the time. So, and Also, I find it very difficult to eat a lot of beans and legumes and lentils and things like that that contain the protein in a plant-based form because my stomach um, reacts quite badly to that and I become horrifically bloated and horribly gassy. And it's no fun for anybody, especially my husband. And when the dog's not around, I can't blame it on the dog. (laughs) So I find it quite difficult to get enough protein. So I did know that protein was an issue for me. Anyway, the cravings really helped to give me a bit of a smack around the face, actually, and say, Emma, come on, you know, sort yourself out. Because I started to crave meat 
and I started to crave sweet stuff. Now, I hadn't really eaten that much sweet stuff, but I started to crave cake and chocolate. Oh my god, chocolate. I've been a dark chocolate person for quite some time, especially when I stopped eating dairy. So, um, dark chocolate had been like a big thing for me, but the last thing I wanted was dark chocolate. So, I, you know, gave into it and I thought, you know what, just embrace it. Your body obviously wants something that it's calling for, so go for it. And it wasn't just the fact that I was a bit like, oh, I'm pregnant, I can eat what I want, because it wasn't at all like that. That's not how my mind works. I mean, now maybe it works a little bit like that, but <laughs> not to the extreme where I feel like, you know, I'm eating 20 chocolate bars a day and you know, going out for cake every day, that kind of thing, that, that's not what's going on. But um, I am definitely allowing myself a little bit of cake and quite a bit of chocolate, actually. Anyway, but it has its days. It has its days when I fancy it and when I don't fancy it. For instance, there was a time when uh, probably I was around seven or eight weeks, all I wanted to do was eat fish. And we've got an amazing place... Um, at a local farm shop that does amazing fish and chips. So Hendrik and I would go there at least once a week. In my really craving time, it was twice a week to eat fish and chips. Now, if you said to me today or this week, let's go and have fish and chips, there is no way I could eat fish and chips or put anything, not even smoked salmon. And smoked salmon is something that I've always loved since I was a little kid. So, um... There's no way I would eat fish right now. And yesterday I didn't actually eat any chocolate because I just didn't want any chocolate. The only thing which I did have yesterday, which is fish, is I had some tuna and sweet corn. But you've got to be quite careful with tuna. But if you're pregnant, do the research. I think it's like two cans a week or something. I, I can't really remember, but um, it's a lot of tuna. So I'm not sure anyone would really eat that much tuna unless you were trying to bodybuild or something. I, d I don't know. Um, so yeah, my diet has definitely changed and I'm going to admit to you <laughs> on this podcast, as I've admitted to many of my friends, and I'm not ashamed to say this because my body is clearly asking for something and I make sure that I source my meat responsibly um, and it's organic. So I had a burger and I had bacon. Now I haven't touched bacon for about four years and even the thought of eating it now completely grosses me out. But at the time, for about a week, all I could think about was bacon and burgers. And normally when I think about a burger, because I'm a person who likes all the tri trimmings on the burger, I don't really actually like the burger itself, but I like the bread, the chips, the coleslaw, the gherkins, <laughs> the lettuce, the tomato, the mayo, the salsa. Like, I'm not that fussed about the burger. You could give me that, the burger, without the actual burger. And so normally when I have a craving like that, I'm more than happy to have a veggie burger and that's actually what I would prefer. And right now, today, that is definitely what I would prefer. But at the time, all I wanted was a red meat burger, which I haven't had in years, and bacon. And we went to B&Q, we're doing more house stuff, went to B&Q, bought some stuff and you know they have those like burger vans outside. I didn't get my burger from there just before you panic. I, um, all I could smell was bacon, bacon butties, like a good old buttery bacon butty with ketchup. 
And I said to Hendrik, I was like, I don't want to buy it from there, but we really need to go to Tesco's and get some bacon. <laughs> anyway, we ended up going to the farm shop because, um, again, I don't just get my meat from anywhere. Um, and we got some bacon and we both hadn't eaten bacon in an extremely long time. And we had a fully loaded, homemade, organic beef and bacon burger. And actually when I was eating it, it didn't really go down very well. I didn't really enjoy it. It wasn't like, oh yes, I'm satisfying this craving. It was just, nah, yeah, cool. Well, that's done. But And now I don't think I would want it again. I would possibly want a bacon butty again. Um, but I think I can probably recreate that without making myself eat pork. Um, but anyway, it happened. And I do believe that my body was really asking for something. Um, and asking to eat something. So my diet has changed. I also, um, Hendrik isn't vegan, so he's not even vegetarian. So it's quite challenging to, uh, tell, not tell him, but kind of, you know, sow the seed about bringing up a vegan baby. Not that I would necessarily want to do that. I still have all of that to kind of think about. But, um, right now I would just like to maintain a balanced diet for myself, a balanced diet for my husband, and probably a balanced diet for my child as well. But I don't know, I might go back to being almost vegan. Um, but again, I don't tend to label myself because I think that's quite dangerous. When you start to label yourself, it can start to become quite a mental, um, mentally overwhelming, I think, um, rather than uh, I don't really know what I'm trying to say here, but, um, yeah, just mentally overwhelming. I think it can become like quite mentally overwhelming to label yourself, um, and your diet and potentially quite dangerous. So that's my diet. Now, as I've mentioned before, <laughs> my body is holding onto a lot more fat than it used to. And it's right to, it's meant to do that. It does this in pregnancy in early stages of pregnancy. This is what happens. Um, even if you work out, even if you, um, you know, swimming like 50, 60 laps a day and running, if you're still wanting to do that, great. Um, but your body holds on to more fat. Now, I definitely feel a lot kind of flabbier <laughs> around my belly, maybe a little bit bigger on my bum, um, but definitely around my belly. I have always been someone to hold weight on my belly. If I'm going to put it anywhere, it goes straight onto my tummy and also onto my love handles. And now Hendrik says from behind, you wouldn't know that I was pregnant, but from in front, you would definitely know. And I have to admit, yesterday, I bought my first pair of paternity trousers and actually a few tops. I didn't need the tops, but I was in the shop and I just thought, you know, what, I'm going to grab some because they're long sleeve and they're comfy and they're soft and cotton. Um, so I got some, but um, I bought one pair of maternity jeans. Now, I have no idea how long they're going to last me. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they'll last me all the way through. But they have like a belly band that goes over your tummy and then the jeans kind of just sit underneath your tummy. Now, I could continue to wear my old jeans. I can still get the button done up 
I've got loads of space in the legs, like I'm not outgrowing my jeans, but they're just horrifically uncomfortable when I sit down or when I eat anything. In the morning they feel fine, but in the um, come the afternoon they just become really uncomfortable. So it is not a time, especially when you're nauseous, that you want to feel uncomfortable and feel like you're making any of this any worse. Um, but it's a really weird sensation to buy your first lot of maternity stuff it is almost it, it really is kind of realization that this shit is getting real my body is changing there's nothing I can do about it it's totally out of my control and I just have to let go and be okay with that fact which I am I absolutely am my body will never ever be the same ever it could be better I'm not particularly that motivated, I don't think, but it could be better after childbirth. But right now, it's never going to be the same. I know that for a fact, and that's totally fine. But because I feel like my belly is more flabber than hard baby belly, I'm actually finding it quite challenging to connect with my new body image. Um, which is really strange and I never ever 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 thought that this was going to be like this because I've I've always kind of imagined myself being pregnant and really loving the fact that I'm pregnant and really connecting with my belly and rubbing my belly and but right now I just I still feel fat um, and just overweight but I'm, I'm not I'm not and I'm not fat it's just my body changing um, but I'm I don't feel like it's a baby in there. I just feel like I'm bloated and it's a bit uncomfortable. And um, especially because I am really trying to get the nutrients in for the baby and what I eat, as well as being a little bit naughty. Um, I'm eating a lot of things like chickpeas and homemade hummus and um, to try and get some protein. And that just sends my belly, you know, even if I'm not pregnant, on a whole new world of... Bloatness. I mean, I look six months pregnant when I wasn't even, you know, minus a hundred days pregnant. <laughs> so it's. I found it really challenging trying to kind of feel connected with my tummy. I'm sure when my belly really starts to um, harden, maybe, and I think it is. Like it feels a little bit harder today. Actually, I'm just giving it a prod, but it does feel a bit harder today. But also, you kind of feel like, should I be showing this much at 14 weeks? Should I? Should I not? I have a friend who is, what, like, almost 19 weeks now? I mean, she is so much taller than me. I think she's, like, 5 foot 8 or 9, even, maybe. And she's barely showing. Everyone holds their pregnancies differently, their babies differently, in their bellies. And I'm quite short. In my husband's words, really very short. I'm 5 foot 3 and a half, and the half really does matter. But I... Someone please email me if I'm very wrong in saying this, but... I feel like that because I'm shorter, I have less space for the baby to move into, so I will show faster. Is that right? I'd love it if someone would email me or message me and agree. <laughs> or disagree, and then I'll just get that out of my head right now. But that's what I feel like. Like in a five foot nine girl, there's a lot more space for baby to lift up out of the pelvis and then she's got a longer torso than me. I've got really quite a short torso. So, yeah, I, 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 it makes sense. I think it makes sense. So that's why I like to think that I'm showing a bit more. But we actually went... Yeah, I am going to tell you this. So 
Hendrik and I decided we had a bit of a free morning this morning, um, so we decided to go into Exeter and go to Mothercare for the first time in our pregnancy. We haven't together once been into a baby shop, and actually I hadn't until yesterday when I was looking for maternity wear, because there is nowhere in Exeter that does high street maternity wear apart from H&M, and H&M well done, because you've got a really great little selection at the back of your store, and I thank you for that, because I could not find it anywhere else. Um, but we went to Mothercare today, and we were looking at pushchairs, buggies, whatever they're called, baby buggy things, travel systems, oh my goodness. Okay, first of all, they are horrifically expensive. Horrifically expensive. I couldn't believe it when I was looking at the price tags of some of those. It is unbelievable. Um, but I felt really... Well, I did. I felt a bit silly being in there because I'm showing, but I had a big coat on, so no one would probably know. Um, and I just thought, am I too early to be in here? I'm not really showing. There were lots of young mums in there who were literally about to pop. And I thought, oh, should, is this too early? Are we doing this too early? It's so difficult to know. And I know it's everyone's preference. And we're not going to buy anything just yet because um, we haven't decided if we want a new one or a second-hand one. I mean, if we could find a great second-hand one, fantastic, because they are so expensive. Um, but... We, like also we don't want a pram just sitting around for you know five months and it's the same issue well not issue but it's the same thought process I have about the nursery there's no point in having the nursery gathering dust for five months and also you never know like you never know especially 14 weeks is still really early you never know what's going to happen in in a pregnancy you never know um so yeah I'm finding it tricky to connect with the whole pregnancy thing and belly thing <laughs> having a belly um and I had that same feeling again of going into mother care in I don't see myself as a 30 year old woman I don't see myself as old enough to be pregnant or mature enough to be pregnant I just don't see myself um as a mum and I think that's something that I am having to come to terms with and having to kind of grow into and step into that role because whenever I go into these stores it's totally it's totally fine to be pregnant at 30 but I feel like I'm 20 I, I literally feel like I, sh I sh you know sh maybe shouldn't be or um people look at me and they're like you're too young to be I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe it's also because people have always told me that I look really young for my age. I think actually I've aged a lot in the last two years and I'm now starting to look a lot more my age. But I feel like people might think, and why should I care? Why should I care anyway what other people think? But I feel like people might be like, oh, she's not old enough or I don't know. And they're just judging me, which is so ridiculous. Um, it's just something I have to sort out and get over and let go of but if there's any mums or mums to be out there that feel the same or maybe you're not pregnant yet but you want to have a family but you feel the same maybe you felt exactly the same when you did get pregnant I would love to know how you stepped into your role as a new mum to be and a mum I guess 
I mean, a lot of people say, you know, the minute baby arrives, it's different. It's totally different. And you completely are in acceptance of that role. And I'm sure it's like that. I'm sure it is. Um, but, you know, with Mother's Day around the corner, like, I am going to be a mother. This is going to be my day. Not this year, but it will be next year. Like, that's crazy. I've spent, like, however many years celebrating my mum, and now I'm going to be the one being celebrated. Like, it's insane. It is insane. Like, I, I just, it's amazing. And I hope I do get celebrated. <laughs> Someone please tell Hendrik that mothers should be celebrated on Mother's Day because someone needs to jog that boy's memory about Mother's Day because he is not going to do it himself. So if I'm still podcasting in a year, which I very, 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 very much hope that I am, um, yeah, someone tell Hendrik <laughs> that something needs to be done for me on Mother's Day. Um, I am just, yeah, in awe of mothers and stepping into the roles and coming to be a mother myself and when we were in the pram store today in mother care and we went to john lewis as well um because they were the only two places that had any prams um i was trying to put down this pram and i was thinking how the hell do you do this like if you're a single mum or you're by yourself or you've gone shopping whatever but you're by yourself you have a baby in one hand it's possibly pouring with rain if you live in England you're you've lifted off the baby carrier but you've got to press two buttons at the same time to lift the baby carrier off you've then got to open the boot of your car put the baby in but try and put the push chair down without getting in anyone's way without anyone rolling over your push chair without it rolling away remembering to put the brake on god i just thought and then having to put it in your boot we've got quite a small car well hendrix got a much bigger car but i've got quite a small car and that damn pram is going to take up the entirety of my boot like if i needed to go to the shops for food and take my baby and the pram there is that's just not going to be possible in that car how do you do it and I have so much respect for single mums and I know that in my podcast last week I didn't mention single mums very much I actually don't know any and I think that's why because I'm incredibly lucky I have a very supportive husband and we've entered into this knowingly that we are doing this. But to you single mums out there who are by yourselves and not in relationships, or maybe you have a partner, I just admire you and respect you so much for taking this on and for creating a human being and just getting on and doing it. I think you're incredible. I really do. I think you're incredible. And if there's any way I can offer you support through this podcast somehow, I, I just think you're all rock stars. I mean, all mums are rock stars for what we put our bodies through and our minds through and what we have to overcome in pregnancy and 
you know, the beauty of bringing a new human being into the world and, you know, managing our lives, working, having partners, not having partners, having pets, having families, supportive families, not supportive families, no family maybe. Like, everyone is in a completely different situation. No one's situation is the same, but gee, I know that I'm in an amazing place with a lot of support and a husband, but if if I wasn't, I mean, I'd, I have no idea how I would cope, so I just, I respect you all, single mums. You are amazing. Amazing. I'm really hoping to speak to quite a few single mums on this podcast, um, and I guess have my eyes opened a little bit just to how you do this when you're by yourself and how you're able to do it when you're by yourself. So if you're a single mum out there and you would really like to come on this podcast, I would love that. I would love to talk to you. I would love to hear all about how you do this because I think you're amazing. Absolutely amazing. So this brings me on to what I wanted to talk about also um, in this podcast, and that is telling your friends and your uh, family about being pregnant. Now, this was quite an easy one for me. Um, actually, it wasn't. It wasn't that easy, but it differs for everybody again. Um, but there can be a lot of anxiety around when you tell people. For me, I'm self-employed, so I didn't have to hide it from anyone in the workplace. I didn't have to hide my nausea. If I needed to take a nap, I could be quite clever with my clients and book them in the morning when I felt so much better, or have them around my classes because I, I teach classes in the evenings um, and have them before and after my evening classes when, again, I had like another spurt of energy before bedtime. Um, and knowing that I can teach and then I can rest straight away. So I could take the time to have an afternoon nap but and, and hide the fact that I'm so exhausted. But if you're getting up and you're going to work at 8 o'clock and you're spending all day at work, let alone the bathroom trips that you need to make during the day when you're pregnant, which is a lot, um, it's just... I mean... How how and when do you tell them? Because 12 weeks is a really long time if you're feeling really, really nauseous um, and not particularly well and you're exhausted. Um, I was quite... Well, being, being that I, I teach um, classes and I teach privately, um, I <laughs> actually had quite a funny um, experience. So I think I must have been about seven weeks gosh I can't remember now maybe six maybe seven but the first thing that I noticed when I was pregnant was my boobs my boobs ballooned they literally got massive I am wearing a maternity bra currently and have been for a really long time because they got big and I didn't have big boobs to start with I was like a 34b to start with and I reckon I'm now I don't know at least a cup size bigger um, so, and they're going to get bigger, I'm sure. Um, hence why I have a bra that will grow with me. Um, which by the way, if anyone's asking, I think I just got, I think I got it from Debenhams. Yeah, from Debenhams. It's not a particularly expensive one. It's not really ideal. It's not, um, 
like 100% cotton or anything like that. It is made up of lots of fibres, which aren't all natural, but I was desperate. I was desperate. If anyone's got any great recommendations for nursing bras or bras that will grow with me through my pregnancy, please tell me. I only have two and it would be great. It would be great to have a couple of more. Um, and I am looking for natural fibres when I, ones ideally, if anyone has any recommendations. So please um, send them my way. But when I went to go and teach a class, it was a really small class, so it was fine. But my friend, she came up to me and she was like, Emma, your boobs are huge, um, but you haven't put weight on anywhere else. And so I had to tell her I was pregnant. Um, well, I didn't have to, but I did. She's a good friend anyway, and I love her to bits, and she was adorable. Um, so I did tell her I was pregnant. But I didn't need to tell anybody else. I told my mum, as you know. I told my sister, as you know, through their little puzzles. Um, and I did tell a couple of my dearest, closest friends who I knew that if something happened, I would want their support anyway. Um, and I would turn to them to, to, for support and I would tell them anyway. So they... Um, were amazing and I actually saw one of my great friends yesterday and she bought me the most beautiful bunch of flowers and a beautiful card and these really cute little like they're almost like little Pocahontas gypsy shoes kind of things they're so cute so so cute um so yeah she bought those for us which was lovely um and to have their support through this and you know to be able to just receive the odd text message to know that people are thinking about you and especially when you're feeling absolutely horrific <laughs> um that they're thinking about you is really really nice and also to be able to call on a couple of close friends um if I need advice uh about specific things or um if I need cover for my classes and things like that which is really nice um which I actually haven't had to do uh which is great. I think I actually had to cancel one because I felt so horrific. But um, yeah, so it's it's a really difficult time. It's really difficult to know when to tell friends um, and family and work. I know that there's you, you have to, I think if you work full time, you have to tell your employer by a certain amount of time for your paternity, uh, hang on, not paternity, <laughs> maternity leave. Um, and that kind of thing. I think I think there's a certain amount of time you have to tell them um, bye for that. But someone did ask me the question, when did you say? Because society kind of tells us not to tell anyone until you're 12 weeks, which is fine. But if you would tell them anyway, if something happened, then I really don't see the problem in saying something to your nearest and dearest. Or don't say anything at all. It's complete personal preference. It really is. Um, it really is. And also, if it's causing you a lot of anxiety at work, thinking that everyone's looking... Because I definitely, especially in the last like four weeks or so, I have felt like when I've taught, everyone has been staring at my belly. It hasn't been that way at all. And actually, when I did say I was pregnant, they're like, what? You haven't changed. You haven't changed a bit. No one was looking at your belly. Um, so, <laughs> which is so silly. So it's all in my mind. Um, but if you are feeling anxious or you're feeling really overworked at work and you just feel like you need to tell someone, tell your HR manager or tell someone that's close at work. Um, or maybe just one person, maybe your boss. So at least they know. And if you need to take a sick day or, you know, when your 12 week scan comes about, you might need to take a day off or you might need to take a morning off. You want to feel supported. You don't want them to feel like you're 
just taking a sickie. Um, so tell who you need to tell. And if it causes you stress, then just de-stress the situation. De-stress the situation and just tell somebody. If it makes you feel better, just tell somebody. Um, but yeah, don't stress about it and don't take on any extra stress at work through um, through feeling like that as well. It's just, yeah, no no point whatsoever. Um, one thing that's kind of getting me through <laughs> not feeling stressed about my work, because I've obviously got this situation, being self-employed, you, I know that come August, I'm due very early in September, the first week of September I'm due. Um, actually, I'm due the day before my one of my best friend's weddings and I'm a bridesmaid which hasn't really been a great situation she has been a incredibly understanding as you know anyone would be she's been amazing but it's been it's been quite difficult for me because I adore her I was so excited to be a bridesmaid and so excited to see my friends get married um and I just have no idea how it's all going to turn out anymore. I can't go on her Hindu either because I won't really be allowed to fly. And also where we were meant to go on her Hindu, um, I don't know the place and I don't know, know the hospitals and Hendrick won't be anywhere close. And it just feels a little unsettling for me. Um, but hopefully I will do something with my um, beautiful friend before then and we can celebrate. But yeah, I'm due literally the day before her wedding. And I'm sure there are lots of other people out there who have experienced exactly the same thing. Um, but it does, it does suck. It does suck that I can't or might not be able to be there. I mean, I will be there if I can be. I will absolutely be there. But I think realistically, it's starting to dawn on me that maybe I won't be, which is devastating. But anyway, it is what it is. But I have been <laughs> saying um, to Hendrik, you know, I I will possibly, especially because July and August is quite a quiet time for classes down here in Exeter. It's the summer. Everyone heads to the beach. Everyone, you know, goes to chill out. They don't necessarily go to a studio and practice yoga. So it gets quite quiet. And I teach SUP yoga in the summer in July and August uh, down in Sulcombe which I am still very much hoping to do. I'm going to need a little bit of help from the guys at the beach house, I think, to get my setup all sorted, but I'm really very much hoping to do um, SUP yoga. I mean, I'm not going to need a board, am I? Because I'm just going to be able to float by myself. But um, yeah, I will, I'm really hoping to do that. But I, I'm also trying to get Hendrik to agree to uh, go and a little baby moon or something or just take a couple of days out and go and chill out and drop all of the stresses of absolutely everything and just take some time out just for us which we won't be able to get when baby arrives for a little while I imagine um but he's not particularly keen because he travels for a living he understandably likes to be at home July and August is his ridiculously busy time um so I am considering taking a baby moon by myself or with a friend potentially um just so I can have some time out before I have a baby that I pretty much have to have latched onto me the whole time I am hopefully fingers crossed going to breastfeed if I possibly can um which will you know make me and baby as one for quite some time I would have thought 
Um, I don't really know how these things work yet, but yeah, I would have thought. Um, however, what I do have, and I have, I don't know if you've seen, if you listen, but what I have been doing almost not in a selfish way, but it's something that I will really enjoy as well is I have organized a part of what I do for my business is I run yoga retreats as well. Um, so I have organized a prenatal yoga retreat, which is, um, in the place that I call home and I love it is Salkham. Um, it's not where I live, but it's basically my home. Um, and I have organized this beautiful three night prenatal retreat with a private chef and we have a midwife specialist coming in. We have a breastfeeding specialist coming in. We have a pregnancy masseuse and reflexologist coming for massages, um, sea swims, beach walks, amazing food. I, I am just, and prenatal yoga, obviously in the beautiful garden, um, built into the cliff of the, into the side of the house, which it's just going to be beautiful. And I wanted to share something with other pregnant ladies who are in the same situation as me, who maybe have a, hus- has a husband who can't take time off work, or you just want to have a little bit of time to yourself, and also time to connect with other pregnant women. It's such an amazing community um, once you start to get involved in these things, because um, I've started up my prenatal classes, which you may well have seen. I'm actually going to teach one um, at half past six this evening. But we spent the first, what, like 15 minutes of our prenatal class just chatting about all things pregnancy. And it was amazing because I can't do that with my husband. And I know that there are a lot of girls out there who don't do it with, with with their partners or even with their friends because they don't necessarily want to know. And I know especially with, with my husband, he's very much, well, he's French and half German, so you might know what I'm getting at, but he's very um, matter of fact, like get on with it, this is what it is, you're not sick, it's just, you're pregnant, like it's a great thing, it's hard. And actually a couple of nights ago he did say, God, I didn't realise how hard it was for you know, you to be pregnant, like it's not, it's not a comfortable thing. And it's not. (laughs) But um, it's it's not easy to talk to them about it to to go through without seeming like you're complaining or, you know, whining or anything like that. So it was amazing to talk to it was a really small group last week, it was like four, four girls. And we just chatted about everything pregnancy and it was lovely and then we did a bit of movement and that's very much how I imagine the yoga retreat to be or the the prenatal retreat to be is just a weekend of learning a little bit getting eight amazing new friends who are also pregnant also about to give birth all trimesters are welcome and just to relax take some really needed time out for yourself as well and to just know that you're in safe hands when you're there. Um, and it's in the UK, so you don't have to travel too far. Um, and I am so looking forward to that, that even if I don't get to have a complete baby moon, that is almost like going to be my baby moon because it's just going to be amazing. If this kind of thing you're thinking, oh God, I know someone that really would like that or I'd love that myself, then go online. All of my detail, all of the details are on my website, which is emmajolin.com. 
Um, I'll put it in the show notes, uh, my website, um, but I think my website is on the iTunes and Spotify um, list anyway. But yeah, or email me um, at the email address for Mum Talk Podcast and then I'll send you through to the right one. But yeah, if that appeals, then have a little look and come and join. And if, if your husband can't take the time for a baby moon or you want to do this as well because you want to learn a bunch of new stuff um, or stuff that can help or just take some time out for you, then come along and um, experience it. The other thing that I was talking to my husband about, and actually it came up today, um, we were talking about this thing called a push present. Now, I'm probably going to do another podcast about this when I talk to my friends about what they do and if they got one. And But I don't know if it's an American thing or where it's come from, but it actually came up today because Hendrik was like, what do you want for your birthday? And it's my 30th this year. And I was saying, well, you know, it'd be really great to have something that we actually need at the house because we still need a lot of stuff. Um, and then something a little bit more personal for me as a push present. Um, I, when my uh, mum gave birth to my sister, my father gave my mum a beautiful necklace and then the matching earrings for when she gave birth to me. And then for our 21st birthdays, my mum gave the necklace to my sister, the earrings to me. So they got passed down to us, which was just the most beautiful thing. And I would love to be able to do something similar for my baby. Um, but yeah, Hendrik was like, uh, no. <laughs> so I would love to hear your thoughts and your ideas on <laughs> push presents and whether it's something that is a thing, isn't a thing. I mean, yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I would love to know what your thoughts are. Anyway, before we, before this podcast gets too long, I set up my computer the right way this time so I can see that I have just been talking and blabbering on for almost an hour. So if you are listening on your morning commute or your evening commute, which I know a lot of you are, um, then I hope you're at work safe and sound, or I hope you've got home after a tiring day, go have a bath or something. Um, but please do send me all of your questions if you have any questions, um, for the next podcast. So I am very much hoping I'm, um, coming up to London, uh, this, yeah, this weekend for Mother's Day and I'm going to spend it with my sister and, and my mum. Um, and then I'm staying in London for a week and I am interviewing one of my beautiful friends. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to get that podcast up for you guys to listen to on the Wednesday. I'm actually interviewing her on the Wednesday. So that podcast should be going live, I think, on the very same day if I can get my button gear and everything goes to plan. Um... But I would love, love, love to for you to send me your questions. So my friend that I'm talking to next week, she is a um, mum. She gave birth, I think about six months ago, to a beautiful little boy. So give me your questions for her. Give me your questions, everything and anything. She is an absolutely amazing friend. She is super honest and will answer everything honestly. So please let us have your questions. Thank you for your questions this week. Um, I hope I have covered everything that you asked for. I think I have. We've talked about Mother's Day, 
prenatal yoga. Actually, we haven't. You know what? I just want to discuss that one last little thing about prenatal yoga because there was one question. And if you're listening, I would hate to forget your question. Prenatal yoga. I had a question this um, week. A lovely girl asked me, when should I go to prenatal specific classes? Now, it's completely up to you. This particular girl had a um, had a strong practice before she found out she was pregnant. And then she decided to stop going to this strong class and then maybe start up again the strong class after 12 weeks. Now, there's two methods of thought here, two ways of thinking about it, I feel anyway. If you stop and don't do anything and then in 12 weeks go back to a strong, and I do mean strong, yoga class... I would say in by the time you get to 12 weeks, your body's not going to feel the same. You will have potentially... You won't have lost yoga. There's no way you can ever lose yoga. But you may not feel as strong. Um, your body is different. You're exhausted. You're probably nauseous. It might not feel right when you start to go back to the class. The way I looked at it was... I kind of kept going with everything as much as I wanted to. Now, actually, for my yoga practice, I didn't want to. I I didn't really want to get on my mat. I was too tired. Going into a downward dog whilst feeling so sick was the last thing I wanted to do. So it was quite a challenge for me to even roll out my mat. Um, but I did, you know, I was teaching a lot and demoing a lot. Um, so I was still getting a little bit of practice. But my practice actually started to... Was, it was off the mat. It wasn't an asana practice anymore. My yoga practice was in walking. My yoga practice was in being mindful, trying to connect. Um, it was not asana practice. And I think that was definitely within the question of what one of the girls asked me about yoga practice. Was She said, I'm scared I'm going to lose it. Now, lose her yoga practice. And by that, I feel like she meant the the asana practice, so the physical practice of yoga. Now, your body's not going to be the same. It's never going to be the same. But you're not going to lose your asana practice. It's going to feel different, but you're not going to lose it. Um, and I think there's a danger, especially when you're pregnant, to obviously overstretch, to push yourself too much, to get your body too hot, to become too sweaty. You know, there's a balance. There is a balance. And if you're going to a very powerful class, there is a strong risk of injuring yourself. So I would normally give the advice, um, and if there's any yoga teachers out there who want to offer up other advice or, you know, um, share the same thoughts that I do, then let me know because I'd be really interested to know how you think about it. But for me, I would say keep going with your practice in the early days, but tone it down. Like, don't take yourself to the very, very full expression of the pose. Don't get too hot. Maybe lay off the inversions, maybe lay off like your intense back bends and twists, anything that kind of overstretches the front of the body and really overstretches anything. Now, you want to be cautious, but if you've been doing yoga for a long time, then then maybe keep going. And then I would say around the 12 week point, start to seek out some specific prenatal yoga classes Prenatal yoga classes aren't necessarily like super relaxing. And I think that's one of the things that people think is they're like, oh, prenatal class, I'm not going to get stronger. I'm not, I'm not going to, um, if you're used to a very physical asana practice and yoga for you is still very much asana based. So physical based, physically based, um, 
you may struggle to think about prenatal as being something you'd want to do but I don't know about many other prenatal teachers out there but the way I teach prenatal yoga is preparing your body for childbirth like that for me is how and connecting to your baby that's for me is how I teach so it's not all lying down and because that's actually not the best thing for um, you to be doing lying flat on your back which I'm sure you know but um it is making the body strong for childbirth, making the mind strong for childbirth. This is where we take our yoga practice in my prenatal classes. Um, so it may be that around the 12 weeks you don't want to go to the power yoga anymore. It may be that you want to come and find something um, a little bit different that is a little bit more in preparation for your body. But everyone's different. But you've got to trust your body. You have to trust in your body. I'm very used to listening to my body because of what I do. But it's the same as when you feel sick or when you feel very, very exhausted. You've got to listen to your body and just sit down. Just lie down. Take a moment. Um, and if you don't feel like going to yoga after a long day, don't go. Now is not the time to push yourself now is the time, if you find complete and utter relaxation in it and you, it feels like a weight's being lifted off your shoulders, then great. But it's not the time for you to maybe learn how to do the splits because you might find you'll get in there a lot easier than you would have before because of all the hormones and the relaxing in your body. Um, but yeah, now is not the time. <laughs> and you've got to be careful with your pelvis, especially if you have any in, um, instability in there at the moment anyway. But I'm not a doctor. I do not want anyone to think that this is, you know, hard and fast advice. It is solid advice. It's it's not. I teach prenatal and I am a yoga teacher. Um, but this is, I'm talking from my own experience. You can only trust in your body and in how you feel in your pregnancy so please just remember that um when you think about your practice I guess it's the same with working out and doing HIIT workouts and all that kind of stuff I remember someone saying to me you just want to make sure that you are you can keep a talking pace throughout whatever you're doing now I went on a run at about 11 weeks pregnant um, and I can tell you now there were some elements, it's very, very hilly around where I live and there were some parts of that run and there's no way I could have spoken to my husband on that run. And when I got back the next day, I really felt like I'd pushed it and I actually haven't run since because it did scare me a little because at that time I was like, no, I want to run. I feel good. This feels awesome. I love it. But then when I got back, I, I didn't feel well. Um, and it probably wasn't the most sensible thing to do. There are some runners who run all the way through their pregnancy, but they're probably a lot more of a runner than I am. <laughs> I'm not a runner. Um, so you've got to listen to your body and, and understand your body. Anyway, after that, I just wanted to make sure that I'd answered that question. Um, but thank you so much for listening. So I will get this up and live for you all tomorrow. The next podcast will be released on Wednesday next week. Uh, have a beautiful, beautiful Mother's Day. Um, if you're lucky enough to spend it with your mother, then fantastic. If you're not so lucky, maybe your mum's abroad or maybe perhaps um, your mum isn't with you anymore and 
I know how that feels. Um, I lost my father and do something nice for you. Do something, revisit some memories or do something that makes you feel connected to your mother. All right, well, have a lovely rest of your week and a beautiful weekend. And I will check in with you again on Wednesday. And remember to send me your questions. Um, the email, I've set up a specific email. So it's mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com. I'll put it in the show notes and I will see you next week. <laughs>